Good morning and welcome to Access Church. If it's your first time joining us, I extend a special welcome to you. And uh, we're just a bunch of people who have been transformed by the grace of God. Our lives have been turned around by this thing called grace. It's God's undeserved favour. And it can be yours. It's anybody who just reaches out to God in humble trust and says, please, God, I need you. So if that's you today, please do that. And you'll find God incredibly responsive to that call for help. We've been in a series called Faith Over Fear. And last week we looked at a passage in Philippians 4 and we're going to continue there today. Now, Philippians 4 last week had these words to say, there's no need to worry. You ought not worry about anything. But in actuality, as we look at our financial climate in Australia at this point in time, we have plenty to be concerned about. Back near the start of this COVID crisis, Australia's debt was somewhere near $570 billion. You heard right, $570 billion. That's five times the debt we were left with from the global financial crisis some 10 or 12 years back. Now, educated minds are saying that the the eventual debt from COVID will, will be double that. So we'll be 10 times worse off than the place we were at the end of the global financial process. Uh, There's a couple of responses we could have to this situation. One is, from a a perspective of Christian theology, is what's called a prosperity gospel. Now, at its extreme end, the prosperity gospel is rank. It, it, It basically uses God as a vending machine. As I commit myself to doing A, B and C, then essentially I use God to press a button and out spits X, Y and Z. I'm guaranteed these good results because of my good compliance. That's kind of a prosperity gospel thinking. But at the other end of the spectrum, there's also believers that have a poverty mentality. And that can be just as damaging. It's kind of this morbid morbid state where we think I'm supposed to be poor because that's the best representation of Jesus. But we're going to see in our scripture reading today, both views are wrong and both views are essentially fear-driven views. Both have the underlying assumption that I need more. I can't be satisfied today because there's not enough in my hand. And so I want to speak to you a message today called Overcoming a Scarcity Mindset. Overcoming a Scarcity Mindset. Now, some of you already think you know where this message is going. You're like, okie dokie, John, how about I save 20 minutes of your time? I don't even need a prophetic gift. I can guess this one from a mile away. Access finances aren't doing very well. They're really, really tight. And you're going to give us a rev up today to say, how about you give a little bit more? How do I go? Well, not very well. You haven't saved me 20 minutes of presentation time. First, I hope you've noticed throughout this last few months, we've been super careful not to pour guilt on you as a church during this season. We detect that it's already challenging enough without us pouring on extra guilt. Apart from that, if anything, our finances are doing great. Year to date, we've got nothing but to be thankful for. We're above budget so far so good. So if there's any financial message for the church at Axis today, it's this. Thank you. Thank you for being a generous church. This message isn't intended as a guilt trip. I have another goal altogether in mind. It's this. Be on guard against fear in the area of finance. It's one of life's biggest concerns. It seems that we'll be forever wrestling with this question. Will I have enough 
for tomorrow. Will I have enough for tomorrow? Now, Heavenly Father knows this. He, he speaks into that concern today in Philippians 4. So we're continuing on reading from where we were last weekend. And Paul expresses his appreciation to the church here in Philippi for their ongoing generosity to him. They're a church that stayed faithful to him financially through the difficulties that he was facing. Now, Paul, again, here is writing from the comforts of prison. I say that in jest. There's no comfort where Paul's writing from. And it makes these writings all the more amazing. What Paul has is neither a prosperity mindset or a poverty mindset. He has confidence and contentment in God. Read with me, Philippians 4, verse 10. It says this, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. See how Paul avoids a poverty mindset there? He's, he's quite happy to have stuff. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and then travelled on from Macedonia. No other church did this, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. There was a song I learned when I was about this high. And the song had these words in it. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. It spoke of God's capacity to handle whatever situation come. And that seems simple. He's got the whole world in his hand. God's big enough and trustworthy enough and good enough to not have to worry about the future because he's got everything right there in the palm of his hand. But who knows? When you go from there to there, the realities of life hit, and they hit with a bang. It's called bill after bill after bill. And you learn from child to youth to adulthood that this worry meter about finance is real. Somewhere the, the simplicity, rather, or that he's got the whole world in his hand gets lost. It gets complicated. What seemed so simple when I was young now seems anything but I recall a significant day for me in this space, a coming of age, if you will. I was about 20 years old and had recently started in the workforce and my manager at the time called me aside for a little chat and it kind of spun me out. I was totally unprepared. 
for this little talk. He said, Jono, what are you doing about your retirement strategy? Now, he was kind of at that age. He was, he was at the back end of his career, and I look back now and see he was trying to look out for the new guy, the young guy, and he said, Jono, have you put any thought into your retirement strategy? And I thought, goodness me, I'm 20 years old. I don't have a clue what I'll be doing when I'm 70. And so I went home and I began to worry and worry and worry. And I didn't sleep very well that night. And I thought, I know the reality of the situation. I will not die of old age. I will die well before that of starvation because clearly I'm underprepared. I don't have a clue about how I'm going to survive when I'm 70. And that was one of the most restless nights of my life. And I got out of bed the next morning feeling absolutely smashed, having not slept very well. And I did the only thing I knew how to do. I cracked open my Bible and I realigned my heart with the teachings of Jesus. And he said this, aren't you more value than birds, than sparrows? And your heavenly father takes care of them. So if he cares for sparrows, won't he take care of you? And then I read on and I read about the flowers of the field and how Jesus said, even royalty doesn't compare with their amazing costume. And if God clothes them, which are there today, those flowers and gone tomorrow, won't he also clothe you? So by worrying, can you add Anything good to your life at all? These words rejuvenated my soul. They washed over me. They sunk down deep into my heart and mind and spirit and made a tremendous difference. A weight lifted from me that I was carrying for the previous 24 hours. And I was reminded, he's got the whole world in his hands. Now as the years roll by, I see the wisdom of future planning financially, the counsel that older manager was trying to give the young me at 20 was completely valid. The Bible says so. It's uh, that those who don't provide for their own family, practically speaking, are, are worse than unbelievers. They're, they're a disgrace. And so some planning and intentionality in this area is wise. Contrary to public opinion, God's not out to get all your money from you. However, the Bible does present a radical view of living a generous life. We can't get past that. But it's based on this fundamental conviction. If the creator of the universe is my dad and he has the whole world in his hands, I can adopt a worry-free perspective when it comes to finances. Let me say that again. If I'm personally connected to the one holding the whole world right there. I can adopt a worry-free attitude to finances. I can escape a scarcity mindset. We serve a God big enough to take care of the entire universe so we can sleep tonight. We can live unburdened. He's not detached from the practicalities of life that you and I need. Now, let me put it to you like this. If it's all up to you, if you don't accept that you have a, a God, a heavenly father, a creator who has the whole world in his hands, and you're actually saying, no, 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 I don't, 
I don't really believe in that. It's up to me. Then you better have a lot in that hand in order for you to feel confident and secure about your future. You're faced with what I think is the unanswerable question that chokes the life out of me. How much is enough in your hand if you were to feel confident about your financial security? It's kind of like how long is a piece of string? We just don't know the answer. With the time we have left, let's consider Paul's example to us in Philippians here where Here's a guy who ought to be worried sick about his financial future because his situation is far from ideal. He's very, very vulnerable. He's got no future security of any kind when it comes to human standards. He doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. He's totally dependent upon people around him. And yet, instead of getting frazzled, he's incredibly calm. He knows his father has him covered. His God has the whole world in his hand. So he's not carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. His future is secure, not because he's got enough super, but because he's holding hands with the one who has the whole world in his hands. So he doesn't have a poverty mentality. Instead, let's see here, he's fully confident, convinced, verse 19, convinced that all his needs are covered by God's riches. All of his needs are covered by God's riches. Notice that tiny word that carries so much weight in verse 19. All, all my needs are covered by God's riches in Christ. Paul in prison needs daily supplies just to get by. Without financial assistance, he's a goner. But in reality, we have needs that go beyond physical and uh, financial, yeah? Paul's not only confident that God has those needs, needs sorted, he says, all of my needs. Have you noticed we humans are incredibly needy? We have emotional needs, we have spiritual needs, we have needs that we're not even aware of at times. But the God of the universe, Paul says, has all of our needs covered. The whole lot. All means all. And that's all all means. My God is enough. My God is able. My God is engaged with my needs, says Paul. And he has the whole world in his hands. So I trust him. And as I do, fear shrinks as faith rises up. Here's the test, though. Are you experiencing that in your life today, in your emotions? I believe God wants us to be convinced of this, that he cares. He knows. He has all of our needs covered. Even the hidden ones, even the things we've never mentioned to another soul, God knows and is personally committed to them. This is the promise of Philippians 4 in our Bibles today. All of our needs are covered by the riches of Christ Jesus. This isn't a ticket to live in lazy land, you know, God's got it covered, then I'll go and sleep on the couch. No, 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 that's not it. That's not it. But as we walk forward with trust and faith in Christ, and we do our bit and we work. We, we, we don't need to lose sleep over our future financial security. We don't have to live our lives worrying, is our nest egg finally grown to be big enough to cover the next 20 years of retirement or whatever it may be? No, our future needs are in his hands. Question, how would you know if you've embraced this? What would be the evidence of it? You'd be enjoying the fruit. What's the fruit? 
What's the emotional outcome of knowing you have a God who has the whole world in his hands? I think scripturally here, verse 12, the emotional outcome is contentment. Contentment is the signal that I'm putting my trust in God. I've put my trust in God and I'm emotionally secure about future provision. I'm content. It's as simple and profound as that. If contentment is missing, it's likely that trust is missing. Contentment is just a signal that I've missed trusting God for my needs. That's what the Bible calls contentment, to be unaffected by how little or how much we seem to have. Sometimes I have a lot, Paul says. Sometimes I have a little, but it's fine. My mood isn't, isn't determined by how much seems to be in my hand. Hang on, Paul. How, how do you get to that point? In verse 12, you say, if I've got plenty, I'm content. And if I've got a little, I'm content. How, how can you say that when you're going hungry? How can you say you're content? Paul would say, I've got this confidence that permeates everything. It's this, that I have a father who has the whole world in his hands and he's not just the God out there. He's actually my dad. I'm related and I know he's not going to leave me starving in future days. All my peace is based in the reality that by faith I accept I'm covered. If we miss the perspective of God's sovereignty over our finances, We'll have stories that are self-evident of the anxiety that that causes. And if it's not God we're relying on, we better be working jolly hard because we should feel the squeeze of what it means to be all alone in that space. On the other hand, the place of contentment is found in trusting God. It's, it's in this Philippians 4.19 mentality that my God will supply all my needs that this incredible confidence begins to rise up. And it's a confidence that leads me towards contentment. Now, if you're still processing all that, if have, as you listen to me today, you, you're kind of saying, John, I don't know if my relationship with God is at that point yet where I would say, yeah, 100%. I'm convinced that, that he will supply my every need going forward. If you're not convinced of that yet, you can tune out from this time forward and go to sleep because the next part won't apply to you. But as you fall asleep this morning, don't snore because it'll be off-putting to the rest in the room. But you can tune out because this next point is for those who have accepted. They have a God who has the whole world in his hands and they live with contentment because of that. What happens next is in verse 14 to 16 of our reading, I can realise I can be used by God as a vehicle of blessing. Resources change for me. A shift occurs there where I'm not all about stockpiling anymore in fear that I'm going to run out one day. No, no, no. I get set free from that. It's my father who gives me every blessing. And because of that, I can join in the blessing and pass that on to others. Money loses its control over me. Everything I have comes from my dad and I'm just a steward. And my finance now is no longer about future security. I'm not stuck in the I will never have enough game. I'm set free of that. I know God has my needs covered and I trust in him for that. 
And because this Philippian church here, we see in verse 14 to 16 of our reading today, they have this mentality. They've been well trained by Paul in his previous teachings to them. They operate with extravagant giving towards him. And Paul explains that while it's God who's the provider of his needs, he uses their human hands to pass the blessing through. And I love here that Paul writes from a place of abundance. He's not begging for his next meal. Please notice that in verse 17 and 18. In fact, if anything, he's begging them to stop. Stop sending gifts. I have enough right now. Stop. Stop giving me more gifts. I'm well and truly covered. I have an embarrassment of riches. That's incredible integrity here by Paul. And it just shows that he is not stockpiling in fear. If anyone is justified to stockpile, wouldn't it be the guy in prison who has no guarantee about his future income? Wouldn't he be justified in stockpiling? But yet he doesn't. In fact, he says to them, stop, stop. I've got all I need right now. And I have a father who has the whole world in his hands. So church, thanks for blessing me. I'm forever grateful, but I don't need any more. Find another course because I'm good. My cup overflows. Side note, friends, if you're looking for a financial cause to invest in, you ought to look for one that has that level of integrity. Beware of this, on the other hand, the ministry who says, when you send in your $100 donation, we will pray a prayer for you. What a load of hogwash. Ministry is not dependent on finance. When you see that, that is, that is a warning sign to go, oh, pull back, pull back from that. On the other hand here, here we have Paul saying, hey, I have more than enough. I have more than enough. Look for another cause right now because I am well and truly covered. So when they see Paul in need, they overflow in generosity. And Paul writes in verse 10, you realise that your generosity, it touches me right here in the heart. It gets me. I give praise to God for it. And it makes me wonder today, as Paul writes to them and says, I'm just incredibly touched by your generosity. I wonder, is there anyone rejoicing over my generosity? That's the question I ask as I read this verse in verse 10 here this morning where Paul's going, like, your generosity blows me away. You've stayed so faithful through the many seasons of life. And I'm just so much rejoicing in, in the Lord because of the way you've been faithful to me. I wonder, is there anyone saying that about you this morning? Oh, yeah, well, if it wasn't for Mark, I don't know where I'd be. And his generosity, he just, just touches me right here. Is there, is there anyone in your world today saying, oh, I'm so thankful for Michelle, I'm so thankful for Mark because they stood in the gap and they spoke on my behalf or they gave and they were the presence of God to me in that moment. Who's giving thanks to God for your generosity? Coming back to our earlier statement, if you're still working all this out, this point won't apply to you either. If you're still trying to sort whether this God of the universe is actually trustworthy or not, this won't apply. But those who know they have a father who's trustworthy, who's guaranteed all of their future needs are met 
by the riches of Christ Jesus, the only logical step from there is that you begin to overflow in generosity that spreads to others. There's building blocks in what we're considering today. The foundation, we have a God who's got the whole world in his hands. I get that. The next level is contentment. He's looking out for me. And then there's another level on that is gratitude for all of God's provision. And then from gratitude, we can't help but go into generosity. It's just a natural outcome of all that's flowed before. It kind of just springs up from within me. And I model the gratitude that I've been shown by my father. So who is it for you today that's breaking out in praise, saying, thank you, God, that that person is in my life? They stand to bless me extravagantly. They didn't skim. Paul had to write to them saying, I abound in provision from God through you. He is the source of it all. He's got it all in his hands, but he's been able to use your hands because you haven't been tight-fisted. You've let the blessing of God flow through you. You know, it seems to me that nothing demonstrates our trust in God more than this area of finance. It's as we learn to be open-handed towards God and towards others that we're really demonstrating we believe we have a God who's true and faithful and will stand every test of time. As I invite the music team forward this morning, I'm going to close in prayer. Lord, our trust is in you. Help us be people who demonstrate over and over and over again that you are a God who can be trusted. Help us demonstrate this with our generosity, with the way that we just let you flow through us. So, Lord, we offer our lives afresh as an offering, as a sacrifice to you this day. God, all that we have is yours. And so we just surrender to you today, Lord, our time, our energy, our money, our families, our all. We give it to you. We, we give it in recognition. We surrender. We lay it down. We lay it down before you, God, knowing that it's all yours. We put our trust afresh in you this day, oh God. And Lord, I want to pray for those who struggle to see you as the good, good father that you are, who for whatever reason have felt let down in the past. I pray for newfound capacity today to trust you, not only financially, but with their heart, with their entire being. God, that they would know your faithfulness, that they would know that you are for them and not against them. God, we pray today, I pray today for that person who has a major challenge accepting that. God, that they would just know you are so near and so true and so faithful this day, oh God. So, Lord, we give you our hearts afresh today and we thank you that you are so faithful. Deliver us, Lord, from a prosperity, a chasing down this, we need more, we need more, we need more. And, Lord, deliver us from a poverty mentality. Help us to live with confidence in your promise that my God 
will supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, we are safe in you. We are free from fear. We turn our eyes to you today.